Welcome to the Listen, Talk, Heal podcast, where we talk with members of the University of Toronto community about their experiences during the pandemic and how we as a community can recover together. I'm Kim Lin, a fourth year undergraduate student studying computer science, statistics, and psychology. And I'm Tony, a recent U of T graduate who studied mathematics, cognitive sciences, and statistics, and we are your co-hosts. That is awesome. Um, could you tell us a little bit about some of the courses that you you took, you taught? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I kind of teach my dream lineup of courses. I'm really happy with the ones I get to teach. So I teach a first year course, or co-teach a first year course that's introduction to statistics and data science. I get to teach a third year course that's sort of, it's data analysis, but what do you do when you can't do linear regression anymore? So we get into GLMs and GAMs and all sorts of good stuff. And then I teach a fourth year course that's actually a year long statistical communication and consulting course. that's really heavily project-based um, and is so wonderful to teach because I used to be a stats consultant back in New Zealand and it's really fun having a really uh, applicable place to bring some of those stories and experiences. Wow, that's really cool. I, yeah, the last course that you said sound, sounds like a lot of fun. I wish I took that, but. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those ones <laughs> I wish we could take, I wish we could make it really big, but it's a really small course because of the kind of project work it is. Um, and for reference, it's Stat 130 is my first year, Stat 303 is my third year course, and Stat 490 is my uh, fourth year consulting course. And yeah, I wish, I wish every single statistically interested person could do all three of them, but. <laughs> Interesting. Um, what are some of the courses that you will be teaching in the upcoming new year? Yeah, so it, come the fall, I'm teaching 490, which is the consulting course, and I'm teaching 130 with Professor Samantha Joe Kitano. And then come the winter, I'm still on 490 because it's year long, and then teaching 303, the uh, Methods of Data Analysis 2 course again. Thank you. Wow, must be a lot of work that you have to do with three courses. Yeah, I know it's it gets to be my main focus. I do a little bit of stats ed research and other stuff, but being in teaching stream is kind of perfect for me because it is a lot of a lot of prep and a lot of course design. But it's it's really my happy place. It's it's awesome to work with students and in all these variety of areas. That's interesting. Yeah, that's that's cool. What do you like most about being where you are right now? Oh, great question. So I guess well, there's two aspects to it. Part of it's the my colleagues and the support I get. And then the other part is the opportunity to work with students to enact my plan for world domination, but world domination in the format of a really statistically literate and capable and effective statistical reasoning kind of population. So I'm learning and growing so much from the colleagues that I work with here. The support has been incredible, especially considering how few of them I've met in person. It's all been through the <laughs> pandemic. Um, and then the other side is, yeah, the, the privilege to work with such incredible students and to have such Large classes have their challenges, but it's also a great way to get the message of good statistics and good statistical thinking out to a lot of people. So yeah, it's a real privilege to be in that kind of space. Thank you. Um, speaking of support, um, I know that you have told us a little bit of some of the ways that you provided uh, flexibility uh, in the past year since it was online. So why don't you tell us a, a little bit about how was that like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this was one of the, there was probably a few things that 
really were a change was really catalyzed catalyzed in my teaching practice with the pandemic that in ways that probably would have been a lot slower had we not all been thrust into a pandemic and my thinking about flexibility um, and trying to understand the diversity of needs and time availability that students have that's something that I still am definitely working on but I'm really happy to have had to really explicitly think about okay why are we so why do we care so much about if an assignment is late like what does it really mean to be you know an hour late well is it inconvenient to my markers sometimes no um sometimes you can actually just be a little more chill about uh due dates thinking about how to be chill and yet still get the marking done for a 600 person class is important i don't want to stress out my tas but there's lots of things about like you could just fill out a form to get an approval for a late assessment if you needed to in my courses, because you know, life happens. And <laughs> there's there's plenty of good reasons to need a bit of extra time to get something done and try to make that as easy and stress-free as possible. So that's one way that I know a lot of folks are trying to think better about flexibility for our students. Um, and I think we'll maybe talk a little bit about the student rep program later, but another sort of thing I'm thinking about is just what assignments look like or how students get to choose their own adventure in some ways. How do we still run a big class, but also give people opportunities to meaningfully personalize their timeline or the types of assignments they engage with or the ways they submit an assignment, whether they wanna write something or speak something. So watch this space. I, it's still something I'm getting my head around how I can support without adding too much to everyone's plate because that's kind of the opposite of flexibility. Uh, but it's something I'm really excited about you know, treating treating students as adults with busy lives while still trying to make sure they have the best chance to show their strengths, develop and grow and, you know, love statistics. Thank you for the answer. Um, you mentioned that you did some changes to the way that you structure the tasks you assigned. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Like what, what changed? Yeah, one of the biggest differences I think uh, well, there was all sorts of things about just everything being online, I suppose. But I think the biggest difference I was aware of making and really trying to thoughtfully make was to my sort of midterm or to my tests in STAT 303. So this is a course that has a lot of programming in it in the software language R. And I don't like to be put on the spot to program. If you gave me 15 minutes to do something, I'd probably make all sorts of mistakes. And yet, I am someone who is paid to do statistical consulting. So I'm, I'm a pretty good statistician. So I've been thinking about that for my own students. I want them to demonstrate that they've learned how to run this code and interpret it and do some of this programming, but also as much as possible, make it a realistic experience. So I did these things that I'm calling mixed assignments. Feel free to submit some better name ideas. I think I need some catchier marketing. But the idea like in the real world, you prepare for a meeting, you'd run some analyses, you'd have some sort of stuff, you know, in your little folder or on your computer ready to show, but you'd still have to respond to some questions real time and think on your feet. And so trying to better capture that while still being able to like mark 600 assignments meant that I gave students a sort of worked analysis to work through and think about a couple of little prompt questions. So they didn't really have to try to read my mind as much because I hate that with assignments. So you, you shouldn't, you're getting a degree in statistics, not in mind reading. So a chance to sort of feel like you were prepared going into a timed component, but then there's still that tension of academic integrity or like how you actually can mark things efficiently that you have to think about when you have 600 students. And so having a timed component to sort of help foster and encourage it being people's own work. Everyone had a separate unique data set as well, which I hope helped, but also giving you a little bit of that pressure of, can you think on your feet? 
if you're well enough prepared. And that, that's the goal. I think I'm still working towards making sure that's actually what happens in the assessment, but the end goal is get prepared in a way that's meaningful, show that you are prepared and you can come out with a really good mark. Um, and hopefully having cemented some learning in a way that isn't quite a cram. You have to, you have to do a little more long-term than just like the sort of pump and dump into your head of knowledge. So that, that's the other part of the evil plan is that they'll remember logistic regression many years from now. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I think the goal here is for us to like prepare to really like work and not to like do like like homework assignments like that's not the end goal mm -hmm. so and i think I, I can speak a little bit about my experience being a ta mm -hmm. i don't think you know this but i i was i was a ta in math 135 which is calculus one nice and in the past year we have um also done a lot of changes to the way that we mark things and um i think we use this i forgot oh my god i forgot the name of the app but it's called something peer something something oh is it peer scholar peer scholar yes love it yep that, that's the one <laughs> so so like on that pl uh, platform um people have the option to give each other comments um i think that helped a lot of people with their works and it also increased a lot of um student um participation so i think that's something that we all want to see that's so cool did you find for yourself as a TA, but I guess also for the students, giving good feedback can be kind of hard. Did you notice people getting better or did you notice any challenges in your role as a TA or for the students? Um, wow, that's a good question. Definitely, I think, okay, the way that I tell my kids to do their works, it's like I tell them the things that I want to see, like I, I want to see this, I want to see that. So as long as they paid attention to what I said, they would always get a really high mark like pretty much in the range of like A or A plus mm -hmm. if they pay attention. But on the other hand, if they don't, then I would just like, oh, I'm sorry, but I said this in class, but if you didn't pay attention, then you're not gonna get mm -hmm. the full marks. So yeah. Maybe that's really cool to hear it's being used like that. I love it. Yeah, um, so let me see. Um, so, going into the next year which things are going to be kind of hybrid mm. what what are some of the things that you're going to to do that's the same and what things are you going to change mm, yeah this is the question isn't it uh so there's still so much uncertainty as we creep closer and closer to september so my goal has been to try to plan in the ways that i can give maximum certainty to incoming students while still hopefully giving the space for when we're able to and how we're able to do in-person things to do them meaningfully. So something that I with like this, I chatted with uh, Bethany White, who's our undergrad chair, a few of us did and kind of came up with the decision that we were going to guarantee that all of our assessments could be completed online. And that's a guarantee I'm giving right until winter 2022. So that if folks are sort of stuck overseas, that's not a stressor. But even if you're a commuter student, it's you're not going to have to come in to like hand something into a Dropbox or whatever. So that was a sort of a commitment that means that I'm not doing a traditional in-person exam. I've not even left myself the room to plan for something like that because I wanted to yeah give that certainty. And I'm just don't think we're at a space where I felt like I could guarantee that things are going to stay in person. I'm hoping they are and that everyone stays safe, but I've got a lot of emails from students kind of going, is there a way I can do this online or what are the online options going to be? So one of my courses is completely online, the first year course, 
which I think has been done across a lot of um, units as well, those large first year courses, just to make it a little easier if you're trying to move to Toronto to get all that sorted out. Uh, but yeah, so sorry. So the there's it's definitely something that's on my mind and on everyone I'm talking to mind. The things that I really want to keep that I've learned from the pandemic are these things around flexibility and try to keep and improve those. And then it also gave me some time to really reflect on what the most important in-person things are. And it's honestly not the sage on the stage, you me in front of a room of 300 students where I talk a lot, maybe ask a question, maybe you nod Tony and I go, okay, great, and move on. Like that's not really rich or meaningful interaction. So there's some things where really, I'm just gonna have to spend 15 minutes describing a concept to folks and hopefully they'll watch that, but watch it as a recording or be able to watch a recorded class lesson. And then where I wanna create the space to do things in person is the stuff that I always found really meaningful as a student and that I've heard is most meaningful from students. So that's things like uh, group work opportunities where you have some choices and perhaps some guidance about effective group work because we're not all good at it off the bat. We have to learn strategies. Or things like discussion-based things, wherever there's an option to make those in person, I've tried to give that option. But I'm not gonna gather 300 people just to listen to me talk about something. Um, I think that people can happily do that from their couch or from a silent study space um, on campus. So that's something I've never really done as a traditional teacher. I've never done all that home studio stuff and that we all got forced into with this. But I think there's a lot of value to it part as part of that flexibility thing that, yeah, you can watch me on the bus on the TTC um, or from home. You don't have to drag your books into campus for my for my lecture, but maybe it's worth it to come in for the discussion section where you work with a team to solve a problem. So that's currently where I'm at, but watch this space. Uh, I think all of us are just really hoping that we get more and more certainty with each step along this path towards fall and through winter. Great, thank you. Just going back to one of the points that you just said, um, as a TA myself, um, last year, there's a lot of times where I felt myself where I had to mark a lot of things. Yes. And with classes being online and I have to mark things online, I just find myself like really tiring just from like just in front of my desk. Have you ever had a time where you felt like that? Oh, all of the last 18 months? <laughs> yeah, no, you are not alone. I think one one silver lining of this experience is that it's not just happening to students or just happening to profs it's that sort of positive of we're all in it together so if your eyes have been tired or like for me i get headaches from too much screen time and so all of my life all my family all my fun all my work all my like sort of anything in my life is on a screen at the moment pretty much so yeah i think finding ways to acknowledge that meaningfully that if you're more tired than usual yeah that's fair enough this is this is a good reason to be struggling or to not be quite feeling like yourself and so finding ways to communicate and acknowledge that is the first step but then also think about meaningfully dealing with it like giving more flexibility or making decisions to take things out um, there's so many things that you just sort of keep adding, keep adding, keep adding when you have a good idea. And so every assessment or every activity is your little baby that you just want to keep in that class. But knowing that there's times where students need some more space. And honestly, instructors and TAs need some more space as well um, during times like this. And so being, being strict with yourself and taking out the activity that you think is cool, but maybe isn't really as core or as important. To, to your goals for your students and what their goals are in your course. 
I see. Um, thank you. I have one last question for you before we move on to the next topic. Um, do you think there should be, do you think um, there should be options for people to choose if they want to take courses online or if they want to choose, choose to take it in person? Like, do you think it should be an option for all classes? Or... Oh, that is such a hard question. In a so it will, in an ideal world, it's an easy question where you go, yes, of course, there should be all options for everyone. It'd be great for accessibility, great for all these other reasons. If you have small kids at home or whatever, that would be amazing. From the other side of the camera, though, as a prof, we very early on in, I guess, would have been fall twenty one, where there were still some people thinking they were going to try to do high flex or do hybrid. Um, a lot of us in our department sort of thought in terms of me delivering the best energy, the best focus, the best service to our students, it's harder, I would argue, to try to split yourself across to keep an eye on the Zoom chat while you've got humans in front of you, all that kind of stuff. Some people do it beautifully, but in terms of having that really be an option from an instructor preparedness, especially for our amazing sessionals or new instructors, our grad students, to get all the time to upskill everyone and sort of up comfort everyone to be able to do that. That's, I think, the reason why it's good that that's not being mandated. Um, but I'm hoping that where people have the capacity to create that flexibility, that they are exploring it. But I think you've got so many folks in teaching teams from TAs, instructors, <laughs> no matter how long you've been teaching, you had to learn about 70 new things just to survive the last year. And it's been the same for students, right? Oh, how many different media platforms do I have to go find videos on? And what is this assessment on? Um, so yeah, so my hope is that we each individually do our best as instructors and TAs to support flexibility where we can. But I think it's the right call not to make every course be able to be both. Because for some people, I think for a lot of people, and I think for me, it would just mean a worse course if you had to try to do all the things, give us five years of training and then I think we all could do it. <laughs> but it's sort of a summer or even a year's worth of it, I think is, it's fair enough that that's not what we've created. But I'm gonna try to make things as flexible as possible. Yeah, I think I definitely agree with what you just said. Um, yeah, but I just found myself as a student um, in the past year, um, sometimes I would just like, not go to the, the live classes, but I would watch yep. the recordings after. That has helped me a lot because I don't have to like wake up at night and then like just mm. <laughs> wake up. Yeah, rock with your circadian rhythm, not someone else's. I feel that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, recording lectures is definitely something I want to try to stick with. I come from a previous institution where it was more and more the norm. It's so a different culture, different country, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think personally, because it's something I'm comfortable doing, uh, especially for my larger courses, that's something I'm hoping to, even when we're much more back to normal than I think even this coming year is, I want to still find like, I, I want to upskill my tech abilities to do that, say in a live lecture theater. Um, but I also respect that, like, perhaps if you're in a philosophy course and you're discussing something really controversial, having that recorded and then made into a TikTok and... Yeah, I can see why that's a problem. So far, I think no one's felt the need to TikTok me on, <laughs> on a stats topic. So I think we're pretty pretty safe on that front. Great, thank you. Um, Kimlin, do you want to move on to the next question? That's it for today. And as always, wash your hands. Stay hydrated. Stay active. Love yourself. And most importantly, tune in to our Listen, Talk, Heal podcast.